Some people have been hungry for this, so we're back. Um, They've been fiending. Yeah, it's you know life happened. It, it's not for a lack of inspiration. It was just um, mm-hmm. anyway. I'm gonna try and get another episode out um, in two weeks so we can stay on track for around the first of the month. Good. Um, I'm Amanda, and I am Jesse. And um, I think we'll just uh, we'll just get right into it. So. Uh, what are your feelings on nuclear power? I wish we had a better way of getting rid of its waste. Yeah, I wish we had some more science for this big science that we have. We need some bigger science. <clears throat> need to yeet it right into the sun. So maybe you know this, but my my mom and my stepdad and my sisters lived about two or three miles from a nuclear plant in Crystal River, Florida. Mm. Did you Did you know? Yeah, you've mentioned it a few times. Yeah, I think I have. Um, it's now deactivated. Actually, one of my my dad's good friends, he, uh, he worked for nuclear power plants, mm. and I think he worked on deactivating that plant. Uh, I really wanted to talk to him maybe a little bit for this episode, but I asked my dad, I'm like, you still talk to him? And he says, nope, not really. Oh, well, so I'll do that. So there was that. Um, so like the, the Crystal River power plant was nuclear power plant was in the middle of a marshy estuary. And whenever we would go to like parks or the beaches, because they were just right down that road, you could see it. And it was like really creepy. Was it like that cylindrical? Like Yes, it was those. We had one of those in, I think, Seabrook, New Hampshire, which is a. Around a beach, like I think they might have had one or somewhere around. I'm pretty sure there was one around there, and I saw it a few times, and it looked terrifying. Yeah, they're they're really scary looking, and I know most people have seen them, but it looked exactly like exactly what you think a power nuclear power plant. If looks you've like. seen The Simpsons, you know it looks like that. So, and they used to do alarm drills in the neighborhood, and they were on the power line poles and. They sounded just like you would expect. And like the noise you hear in the movies. Actually, I think I, I pulled one up so that we could hear mm. what it sounds like. Don't put it too close. It'll be very loud if you put it too close. So that was the um, that was the alarms that would go off in the neighborhood, and they would there was like and they were very long. We just played yes. a little tiny snippet. Oh, it lasted a long time, and um, it would just spin. And I think that's what makes that noise going down because when it's not the facing Doppler you, effect. yeah, it goes down, and it's really creepy. So we you just be walking in the neighborhood, and all of a sudden you hear the beep, 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 and you're like, oh god, here it goes. Um, but by the time you hear the alarms, it's already gonna be too late. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Yeah. Uh, So there was always kind of like this sense of dread being there because maybe just for me personally, I'm sure other people just went on, lived their lives. But I'm like, this is does anybody like this is really creepy. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of it's coincidental that the docuseries uh, on Netflix about Three Mile Island came out because right before it came out, I was considering 
doing this. So mm. and now I'm like, all right, well, now I got a lot of perfect timing. I've got a lot of um, primary sources to to make an episode and look up other things as well. Mm-hmm. So I think most people have heard of Three Mile Island, at least in passing. Maybe you don't know the whole story, but at least you've heard Three Mile Island. Yeah. Especially in the United States. Um, so, like, I'm just guessing. I don't actually know. because I think it's, I mean, it should be pretty popular yeah. with most, I'd imagine. I always overestimate, like, how much people know about history. <laughs> so it really baffles me, like, the amount of people who don't have even a passing knowledge of so many things. Um, but I had heard of through my line and so had you. So, um, I had no idea about the details. So, I mean, in general, um, America currently has close to 4,000 nuclear weapons mm-hmm. and Russia has over 6,000. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who needs that much? Uh, like if you want to blow up every other planet too, if you maybe? literally wanted to explode the entire earth, <laughs> If you drill down and put 6,000 nuclear bombs down there, I'm pretty sure you would just blow the earth up. I am I mean, I'm guessing. Maybe they want to go after the core. But funnily enough, I bet you it really wouldn't probably do anything to the actual mantle of the earth. Oh, well, in my brain, it, it looked a lot. Yeah, well, we it see it with like Goku episode- and Dragon Ball, and so we think it's easy. <laughs> I remember that episode of Doctor Who where the moon blows up, and I was like, mm. yes! <laughs> <laughs> um, so what actually is nuclear power? I mean... Do even I didn't know. I knew like, oh, there's like nuclear stuff inside and it makes power. Yeah, uh, I knew I know way more thanks to the Chernobyl show on HBO. Oh, well, I don't remember any of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they explained how it worked. Yeah, like oh. and why it blew up or why it was going to blow up. Oh, I don't remember. Um, but in my studies, I found out that nuclear fission was discovered in 1938 after decades of studying radioactivity and nuclear physics, which explains the components of atoms, the Mm -hmm. nuclear physics does. By fissioning a nucleus, which is splitting the atom, a huge amount of energy is dispersed and you can produce a self-sustaining chain reaction. So when a neutron hits a nucleus of uranium-235 or plutonium or a plutonium atom, it can split the nucleus into two smaller nuclei. The reaction is called nuclear fission. Mm-hmm. So the fission reaction releases the energy in neutrons, and the released neutrons can hit other uranium or plutonium nuclei, causing new reactions. So it's just it's just a self-sustaining chain. Pretty much. I had to read things like over and over again to understand <laughs> this enough to write it down. <laughs> I'm not a science person. Mm. I want to be, but I'm not. So uh, nuclear power was first developed and used by the military. Surprise. Especially the Navy, who, which we know the military because they blew up Hiroshima. So it was especially the Navy who dealt with nuclear power. And they produced the first nuclear power submarine. So the first thing powered by nuclear And electricity was produced from a nuclear reactor for the first time in 1951. And President Eisenhower believed that we needed to find peaceful uses for nuclear power. And the Atomic Energy Act of 1954 was passed and the declassification of U.S. military reactor technology opened the door for the private sector to encroach. Nuclear power plants harness thermal energy released from the nuclear fission, which is generated inside the reactor. Then a steam turbine transforms the heat into energy, and then an electric generator turns mechanical energy into electrical energy. Mm-hmm. So simple, easy. 
easy peasy mac and cheesy. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> uh, so why is nuclear power not so great? Because of all the waste it produces. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Mm. Radioactive waste. Oh. And no long-term storage solutions besides just sticking it somewhere and trying to maintain enough room to store it all. Mm -hmm. We toss it in the ground and then hope that in a thousand years it'll not be as radioactive. Nothing will happen. (laughs) So a fun fact, a permanent disposal site for used nuclear fuel has been planned for Yucca Mountain in Nevada since 1987, but political issues keep it from becoming a reality. Mm -hmm. Never heard of that before. All right. So the... Other reason it's bad is the possibility of proliferation of nuclear weapons, making it easy for technologies to fall into the wrong hands. Although I think it's not that hard to, to find out. Um, the information is out there already. So yeah, pretty much. I don't know. Maybe specific things about nuclear power? No, or it's, it's just so much um, the, the parts you need only come from specific places, really. So yeah. even if you might know how, Getting your hands on the stuff that lets you actually make it is pretty tough. Yeah. And nuclear power plants are targets for terrorist attacks, or can be, because if you blow up a nuclear power plant, that will do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, Oddly enough, you know, if it happened in America, I bet you it would be, it would be the Proud Boys before it would be <laughs> Al-Qaeda. Yeah. Um, cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of energy produced by nuclear power is offset by the energy required to mine uranium. Yeah. And not only that, but also to build and decommission the amount of plants needed to produce enough energy to power the world. We need about 14,500 plants to power the world and currently have 444. Mm. And that supplies about 11% of the world's um, power currently. And more in certain countries, like 18%. There simply isn't enough sites in the world to build that many plants, to build them near a water source that is safe from droughts, flooding, hurricanes, earthquakes, or other potential disasters that could trigger a nuclear accident. Mm -hmm. So there's not enough places for that. Yeah, it's real real bad if those go... Bad. Bonkers. So not to mention the increased extreme weather events caused by climate change... Um, usually affecting places yeah. close to water. We're not going to be doing great here in Florida, are we? No. We no. need to plan our exodus. Mm-hmm. Sometime in the next 10 years, it's going to get bad. Yep. Uh, Probably sooner. Yeah. Um, and they are, are expensive AF. <laughs> and take away funding from cheaper and more sustainable renewable energy, such as wind, solar, and geothermal, to build these highly dangerous and uneconomical plants. Mm. And, Sounds great. Yeah. And last but not least, nuclear accidents mm. is another reason they are bad. Mm-hmm. How so, could a nuclear accident be bad? <laughs> you might ask. How could a nuclear accident be bad? Um, well, first we'll talk about, <laughs> we won't talk about that. We'll oh. talk about the plant. Ah. <laughs> Three Mile Island Nuclear Power Plant was owned by Metropolitan Edison, which was is shortened to MetEd. And it was built on a small island in the Susquehanna River, and that would supply all the cooling needs for the plant. Unit 1 went online in 1974 and Unit 2 in 1978. Since the coal and steel industry was dying, this replaced a lot of jobs and in return was favorable to the public. And Joe Manchin made sure that the coal industry came back because they, they gave him a lot of money. Yeah, and that worked. Mm-hmm. 
uh, with the gas shortage of the time, which I don't know if that's really a collective knowledge thing anymore, mm. but yeah, it in, was real bad, in the 70s, it? the fuel shortage was real. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were begging for gas. We're doing whining. a fake one now where there's plenty of gas, but they just don't make as much so they can make more money by upping the price. Yeah. Faking- back then, they just, yeah, for multiple reasons, I remember there was an actual yeah. shortage. Yeah. So with that, nuclear was embraced as a solution and the future of power. It was generally believed that a major accident could never happen. I, mean, I don't think any had happened before. Yeah, but I mean... They always should be thought of as a possibility at the very least. Yeah. Uh, So on Wednesday, March 28th, 1979, at 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So it's 4 a.m. And your incredibly boring overnight shift is nearly over. You're having a hard time staying awake. Then every alarm goes off. The reactor goes offline. Since it's 1979, you don't have the massive amounts of technology you really need to run and monitor a nuclear power plant. So the technicians are struggling to find out what was happening for an hour while the water gauge continued to show the level was full. So right away, there was sort of a discrepancy in the research because according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission's website, the vessel that holds the reactor core was always filled with water, so they didn't have a water level gauge. To show that the water covered the core. So hmm. they were saying the gauge went low, but then the NRC was saying there was, there was no, no gauge. gauge. Yeah. But I thought perhaps they were using the pressure gauge as a water level-ish type gauge. Yeah. Because yeah, if the maybe. pressure gauge is working, then there's water there. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just, it's just verbiage. Uh, anyway, they didn't, they, the instruments they did have weren't providing the accurate information. So they had no idea what was actually happening. It's not like you can go inside and see what's happening. I see mean, what's you, going on. You you could, but you'll just come out looking like a degloved if you come out. skeleton. I'm making a cringe face. <laughs> <laughs> so 5.32 a.m., the operators were trying to analyze flows and pressures and temperatures. Because they shut off the pump, there wasn't fresh water flowing through the system, and that caused the water to continue to heat up. Uh, they realized the relief valve was open and leaking pressure, and they think this is the problem. Mm. Uh, in this type of plant, water around the core is kept under very high pressure to keep it from boiling. Mm. So then they shut the valve. Um, so I tried to, I really tried to get a basic rundown of what actually happened. Um, cause we don't need to go over what they thought happened really. Um, so like in my, my non-sciencical brain is Your hard to handle. brain? My non-sciencical brain can't handle this type of information. So I try to dumb it down to myself mm. as much as possible. I, I went to quite a few places to Pick and choose what made more sense. The laymanest of layman terms. Yeah. So a mechanical or electrical failure stopped the water pumps from pumping water to the core to remove the heat. Then the generator and the reactor shut down. So because of this, the pressure began to increase. Uh, The relief valve opened and it should have closed once the proper amount of pressure was released, but it stuck open. And in the control room, the instrument showed that it was closed and that meant the techs and the engineers didn't know that the cooling water was pouring out as steam and not actually cooling, so they didn't realize the malfunction was a loss of coolant. Mm. They assumed that as long as the instruments were indicating the pressure was high, then the core was covered with water. 
as we mentioned. Yeah. And since they didn't know the pressure valve was stuck open, the pressure was lowered to the point that the coolants were the coolant pumps were turned off because well they turned the pumps off because the steam and water mixture was causing the pumps to vibrate and they could get seriously damaged by vibrating so hard. Um, and then the emergency water was going to completely fill the pressurizer and this cut back the flow of water. And then that caused the water to stop circulating. Oh, I mean, it was just a bunch of water issues. Mm -hmm. Um, by that time the reactor was superheating and the water already there was boiling away. And so the core would eventually melt and there would be a nuclear reaction and it would become extremely radioactive. Oh, uh, and a nuclear meltdown could occur as the temps were soaring higher. Mm -hmm. At 6.57 a.m., uh, after all this, a radiation alarm went off in the reactor building. And so three people went to look and see if they could see what was going on, um, just try and get an idea. So 200, they were, they were close to 200 feet from the reactor, and they noticed increased meter readings, the little... Yeah. crackling thing mm -hmm. and boop, nobody beep. actually said what that is called they just said meter readings and it's like but what is that thing he called i'm sure i could figure it out but whatever um they saw the sample lines coming from the reactor system from the reactor system were dangerously radioactive so major problem mm. it was it was extremely radioactive where they were so they ran to clear the fuel building and called an emergency over the intercom so they're like everybody get out of here Gonna get, gonna get. <laughs> At 9 a.m., the news reports that there is no danger to the public and everything is under control. So that that, that was the news reports. Yeah. Um, and most people in the community believed it. So, Nothing to see here. Yeah, there's no reason not to, right? It's like, remember the innocent time when when you trusted companies in the government? Yeah. And you thought they knew what they were doing and had everyone's best interest in mind. It was a short period of time in American history, but it was a real dumb one. Yeah. And, you know, there is a phenomenon of just complacency. It's like, it's the idea that the general person has that somebody has everything under control. Like, not you, but somebody does. Uh, we just, we become reliant because we can't deal with any but ourselves. So, yeah. it's just, you feel safer if you just... Assume that somebody else can properly deal yeah, with it. Somebody else is doing it. And then when you think about your general um, ability and you're just like, most people are just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just floating. I'm just walking in my meat bag. And I've got a few things that I'm good at yeah. and that's what I focus on. And that's about it for yeah, me. Yeah. And the rest I'm just trying to figure out. Like nobody knows what they're doing. I've learned DaVinci Resolve no really matter good and I can play video games. So I'm, I'm trying to make that into a living. Right. No matter high up somebody is, how smart they are, they don't always have it under control. Mm. I mean, you think about yourself. It's the same thing for the CEO of something. I mean, maybe not because I always think that they know everything. But Yeah, they might be insane enough to think that they always have the correct answer. Yeah. And um, I like to think you have a really refined bullshit palette. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, did you ever trust the government and companies? I mean, besides being in like elementary school. Yeah, from, from the time I was more of a... Um an adult, I not not really know. Yeah, I mean, I it's mean, part of the reason I was never religious is I just didn't, didn't make any like, sense this to is... me. This just seems like they want me to do what they want by threatening me with their Catholicism and my and, and evil hell if I dare go against them. And I'm like, I mean, you keep saying this guy's great and he loves everyone, but if I don't do exactly what he wants, I just rot and burn forever. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's dumb. I think the first time, like. 
like, you know, you can think about when you got jaded, but I think for me was like around the Monica Lewinsky scandal. So I would have been like 13, 12, 13, 14. Um, and I thought to myself, I'm like, is this really something we should be concerned about? Mm -hmm. Like, and to impeach the president over like a romantic affair. Like I, I thought it was just so ridiculous. And I was like, I was a young teen. Um, yeah. And you just, you said your, yours was the Catholic school yeah. and the Catholic and, and you, system. When you hit that age and you, you start looking at something saying, Oh, this is kind of dumb. Then you start looking at history and like, wow, this is a dumb thing has actually happened a lot in a lot yeah. of different Other ways. Other people have thought this way. Yeah. Um, so the Pennsylvania governor, Dick Thornburg, they said Richard Thornburg, but I'm like, no, it's Dick Thornburg. Mm -hmm. I <laughs> he, call, he calls the press secretary, Paul Critchlow, and tells him there is an emergency at Three Mile Island. And Paul was like, what's Three Mile Island? <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so uh, another person, Bill Scranton, I don't, we don't really remember the names, but I need to like say them. You know, I mean, like this guy said this and that guy, this guy said this. So Bill Scranton was a lieutenant governor and he calls Metropolitan Edison, the, the Met Ed mm -hmm. that I said they owned and ran the building. And he asked what was going on. And they answered that things were generally stable and not terribly serious. And Bill didn't get much info, um, but they were told things were under control and they knew what they were doing. So there, they thought there was no danger to the public health and safety and they were monitoring monitoring the air and ground for radiation. Things are great. We're making sure that this isn't leaking everywhere. Things though. are great. We're making sure they're great. Don't worry. Um, at the pre at the first press conference, a nuclear engineer says they did find some radioactive iodine. And that was the first time the government officials heard anything about radiation being outside mm. the plant. And I had to look up what, you know, radioactive iodine was. So because I heard uh, you take iodine to prevent radiation. So I'm like, what does this mean? And iodine is released as a radioactive isotope during a nuclear power plant accident. Oh. So according to cancer.gov, oh. exposure to radioactive iodine may increase the risk of thyroid cancer for many years, especially for children and adolescents, since radioactive iodine accumulates in the thyroid gland, specifically. Pacifically. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, it'll be good. The government would always make sure to let us know right away if anything was going to give us cancer and kill us. Yeah, for sure. They definitely wouldn't let people keep using things like Teflon that's known to cause cancer, mm -hmm. but we don't want our eggs to stick to the pan. Yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> People in the community with police radio monitors were telling neighbors that they heard there was an accident on the island, and the police were called down to the plant. Then the journalists started coming in to ask questions and causing people to start questioning the situation even more. And there was also, since this was happening early in the morning, um, children especially that were getting on the buses and stuff, they were hearing loud bangs and noises from the plant. So th they would be the ones hearing because they're outside waiting for the buses. So they mm -hmm. were like... What's going on? Uh, that was before they released anything. That was like seven o'clock in the morning before they really started mm. panicking, quote unquote. So around two o'clock in the afternoon, there's a large thud in the control room and a pressure spike in the containment building. No. The first reaction was to see if any equipment failed. Everything showed normal, so they ignored it for the moment and <laughs> moved on to other matters. And in the next hour, radioactivity was seeping into the control room. Ah. So there turns out to be a controversial hydrogen explosion. Oh. And 
I'll talk more about it later, but briefly, instruments indicated that this had happened. So this also caused hydrogen to gather. The whole thing caused hydrogen to gather at the top of the vessel as a hydrogen bubble. And some people maintain that an explosion didn't happen, and some called it a hydrogen burn, and others said it was an explosion. Um, so, like I said, we'll talk about that more. But at the time and in the future, the burn slash explosion exposure is controversial. Explosioner. Yeah, some people were like, it wasn't that bad. And then some people were like, this was an explosion. <laughs> so, it, was, it was a little explosion. It's, it's fine. Just a little one. Yeah. You might be asking yourself, what, hey, were they releasing radiation outside the plant? Were they releasing radiation outside the plant? Outside the plant, radiation was recorded up to 16 miles out from the plant. Oh. And that's when the government officials said the levels weren't high enough to affect human health. And I was like, human health? <laughs> Does that mean other types of health were affected? I imagine the smaller you are, the more you were affected. So, sorry, tadpoles and plants and anything. I, I heard that when there's living. like some sort of radioactive accident that you can tell because plants and plants and trees, the part that gets hit with the radiation turns orange. Mm. And I remember seeing on the road, you know, the major road um, by our house that I was I was driving by and there was this big plot of trees that only half of them were orange. Oh. And I tried to look it up and find out if something had happened and I couldn't find anything. And I'm like, why this? One of our neighbors is Superman and he accidentally ripped Whooshed. a huge fart and... Huge fart of kryptonite. Oh no, he's he trying takes, to get it out. He's empowered by the rate the um, radiation of the sun. So I always figured if he's empowered by it, it's all stored up in him. What happens if he, you know, releases. something happens? <laughs> he releases. <laughs> um, but levels recorded at one of the gates could be dangerous. That's what they said. Mm -hmm. It could be. It could be. Which I mean, anything could. If be. you know better now, it means you start getting in your car and driving away as fast as you can. And reporters are asking why it took so long to notify the public. Mr. Herbine, who was the big boy at MetEd, told the people that they were monitoring the area and he told them they found nothing. So we're, ha <laughs> we're having a lot of conversations of, you know, they said nothing was happening. They said nothing, because they were saying it over and over again. So they're like, no, the reporters are bringing it up and they're like, nothing's happening. Herbine said the turbine is super fine. Yeah, Herbine says they found nothing. Mm. As I, said. I believe him. Government officials, Implicitly. once again, government officials, because mm -hmm. they always know. The government. The government. They called the MetEd big boys to a meeting. They're like, you must come. Harumph, what are you boys doing in here? You must come here and explain yourselves, please. During that meeting, MetEd admits they'd been releasing radiation. Oh, they asked why they weren't informed, and Herbine says, quote, no one asked me. Herbine's turbine is why we're all dying. Dying. <laughs> I mean, are, so government officials are supposed to ask them every day if radiation is being released from their plant. They need to have a daily check-in. Are yes. you releasing radiation? Yeah, they, they, um, they paid a few hundred million to get that written into law. Yeah. So, do they really have to ask when there is a nuclear meltdown if radiation is being pumped out? Like, do we have to ask that? Yeah, because Specific the company doesn't want to ever admit anything until they have no other choice. Yeah. 
4.30 p.m., another press conference puts the blame on MetEd. Officials state that the situation is more complex than the company previously let on. They say they do not think that people need to start evacuating from the area. The mayor reports that MetEd ensured him there was nothing to be worried about. Lots of press conferences. Yeah. We will all be long gone from these positions by the time all these messed up babies are born. Yeah. At 8 p.m., workers felt that they were able to take off their respirators. Oh, why? Bad idea. Why? Radiation just dissipates really quickly. I mean, it's... It doesn't gather on things. When you work in that area, you should know well enough that it's like the big thing about radiation is how long it lasts and how hard it is to get rid of safely, like... Yeah. That's the thing. That's the radiation thing. But, you know, masks are just so hard to wear, you can't do anything in them. It impinges my freedom. <laughs> so they were focused on getting the cooling pumps back in service, and they decided to turn the pump back on and return the flow of water to the core. The pressures went back to normal lever- levels. At the moment, things looked good. Woohoo! We did it, boys! The president of MetEd, Walter Kreitz, a lot of, a lot of uh, German names, mm. Uh, actually, Pennsylvania has a lot of Ger- that. That's true. Pennsylvania mm-hmm. has a lot of German. Um, well done, everybody. Let's sit back and have a yingling. So, Kreitz insists that levels are so low and no one is in danger. No one is in danger. The levels are so low. <laughs> he quotes that there are 72 reactors in operation and none of them had ever injured anyone in the public. Trust nuclear power. Nuclear power is not a danger. Nuclear power is not a danger, Ed Jones. (laughs) So the next day, um, that would be Thursday, March 29th, because there's a lot of things that happen. I like to to keep in mind what the date is, personally. So next day, March 29th. They don't know the condition of the fuel or the reactor, or the fuel or of the core, the reactor core. That seems like an important thing to know. Well, I mean, how do they know? Their instruments obviously aren't. Uh, reading correctly. Just go and so, take a look. Well, no respirators needed. You can just go right in there. Well, they didn't oh, oh. know if the core was uncovered or damaged. They needed to collect a boron sample. Mm. And I was asking myself, what's boron? What is boron? Really quickly, boron controls the rate of reaction in the reactor vessel and can be used for emergency shutdowns. Because mm-hmm. we all knew what boron is. I think that was a thing in Chernobyl. Yeah, they needed to know if there was enough to shut it down completely. Boron is like an incredibly like hard like mineral, so it like is hard. It like it probably smothers it. Yeah, it can I th- man, I don't know why I wrote down the details, but I think it can be like it can be really hard, it can be like a gas. Don't quote me. <laughs> Do quote her. A couple of volunteers suit up and go into the fuel handling building. Uh-oh. And the lab the laboratory had been evacuated, like when they ran in, they're like, get out. Uh, the radi- radiation was tremendously high. They took the water sample that they needed as fast as possible and conducted the test. They just, they did it really, really fast in there. Mm-hmm. The person who performed the test was contaminated over 100 times the amount of REM they could be exposed to daily. I mean, eh, what's it going to do? REM is a is, is a measure of radiation, but it, mm. I, I when I looked into it, I was like, my eyes rolled and I rolled in the back of my head and I was like, I don't know what. And then you started about. going into REM sleep. Yeah, so I'm just like, it's a measurement, mm. uh, and it was really high. So he showers for hours and it did nothing. 
So mm. he had to go back home contaminated because he couldn't just live in the power plant. Mm. And he and he was interviewed and he was like really he was like crying because he was like, I had to go home and he went home and he, he told his whole family, like, get away from me and like took off his clothes and like got rid of them and was just like, don't come near me. And he was like really sad that he had to do that. Should have gotten into a refrigerator like uh, Indiana Jones and then gone in that way because he was fine. Yeah. He should have just gone in in a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, With like robot arms sticking out of the refrigerator. Yeah, that's so the obvious. That's the obvious answer. Yeah. Lead lined. You're good. The, the boron test showed the level was very low, so they knew the plant wasn't stable. And there were journalists coming to Middleton. That's I think that's like the area. That's the middle of the town. Is it middle? Was the city? Anyway, Three Mile Island, am I right? So they were starting to come from all over the world, and information was flying around, and a lot of it conflicting. Um, you know, something like this, it just depends on who you're talking to, and what source you're reading or watching. As we all know, America's great for sources. Alex Jones here, trying to figure out what's going on at Three Mile Island. The frogs. They're turning the frogs into degloved frog skeletons. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they look terrible. Buy my powder. Buy my uh, health It'll powder. It'll make your dick hard as a rock, brother. So remember remember 9-11? Like, we remember mm. 9-11. Nearly every story... You, even something very recently, a big tragedy with Uvalde and just how much that story constantly yeah. changed it's throughout like the day. Information and speculation is just flying around. Like the superhero cops yeah. that were going in there to save everyone the moment they couldn't fighting with him before he got in. Oh, no, shit. Oh, wait. That was mind. all a lie. And now yeah. they're all. Yeah. So it was just like information and speculation is just flying it's around. It's always wrong at the start. Yeah. And people just really want to be first and yeah. they really want to know everything. And so. You can't trust any of the information that hits right away. Yeah. You can't even trust it in the first week normally. Yeah, you just got to wait for the real story to yeah. come out. But in the meantime, everybody's just capitalizing on the, you know, on the the scare and the uh, the tactics, scare tactics. and. Is this the Red Menace? Is it? No, it's just <laughs> incompetent. I, I real Most of the things like you joke about, I'm like, Haha, and I laugh, but I don't <laughs> know what they mean. Oh, the Ruskies. <laughs> The what? Russians. Oh, okay. Was it that? Was it a, a spy plot for them to come in and take yeah. out Pennsylvania? Journalist Ira Rawson was asked by Rolling Stone to cover the incident. Actually, Rolling Stone has always been a really good source of news. I mean, they do a good job for the most yeah. part. I mean, they it's gotten worse more recently with uh, new owners. I think. But, right. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about back then. But yes. Yeah, they were great journalists. Them and Playboy, the best. Yeah. I mean, they actually have good pieces, too. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm half kidding. <laughs> he discusses how the movie The China Syndrome had just come out weeks before and people were buzzing. The movie was eerily. <sighs> they were literally buzzing. The movie was eerily similar to what was happening at the plant. In the movie, it was the accident itself that caused the China Syndrome. That's what it's that's what it's referring to. Um, a quote from the movie. When the core is exposed, the fuel heats beyond core heat tolerance in minutes, and it melts down through the bottom of the plant, theoretically to China, but it blasts into the atmosphere and sends out clouds of radioactivity, rendering areas the size of Pennsylvania permanently uninhabitable. <gasps> like they knew. So they, so it was like, this is happening in Pennsylvania. It was like prophetic. Mm-hmm. Um, then 12 days after release, it happened. The movie released. It happened 12 days later. Um 
but I've never heard of this movie. Have you? Bet you this entire three mile, three mile island thing was a marketing stunt. Oh yeah, the crisis actors and mm-hmm. crisis journalists. It was all, it was all planned. But have you heard of that movie? No. I it had Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas. It There's was been like, eighteen quadrillion movies yeah, that have come I, out. It's I mean, impossible to keep up with all of them. I actually didn't realize until as an adult just how many movies are released that you never know about. Mm-hmm. It, after knowing it's like you, the same thing with TV shows too. You go yeah. back through like the seventies and the eighties and the. Yeah insane amount of tv shows that got a pilot or got one season or two seasons yeah and you never never heard of them and i always just assume like i know about most things but also watching um like riff tracks and Djibouti dubs and all that realizing just how many movies are out there um especially bad ones like cybernator the journalists were realizing very quickly that the press conferences were bullshit yes they were just being told the same crap over and over. They weren't answering questions. They were deflecting. So they all go to investigated, investigative rogue mode. Hmm. Um, in all the footage they show in the in the uh, documentaries, uh, our friend Herbine looks so annoyed. Hmm. <laughs> like, how dare people care about what's happening? He's just like, Ugh. just take my bullshit, please. Like, all my employees have to always do everything I say. You do what I say. Yeah. Hello, I'm the boss here. I'm the boss, baby. It's prophetic. He knew about the, he he knew about the movie coming. Yeah, it was all a plan. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission, NRC, from here on out, they get involved. Of course, they have to. Their job is to oversee the nuclear power industry to maintain public health and safety. They come to the site and they also appear in front of Congress and respond that there was no danger of a meltdown. Oh, so just like all regulatory agencies, they're useless. Right. Or corrupted. They feel that misinformation was wild and that mm. information was being misused and misunderstood. <laughs> the people started to equate everything with the China syndrome. Mm-hmm. The incident and the movie became the same thing, essentially. The NRC didn't want to blemish on the nuclear power industry and they had a prerogative to prevent that from happening. They had a prerogative. It's my prerogative. They were going to do what they want to do, do and let you die. Sp- I'm going to do Britney Spears instead. No. <laughs> an official receives an anonymous call at 10 p.m. Ooh. There's a lot of officials and mm-hmm. an official and the officials, <laughs> government officials. The, the call says that events in the plant are worse than they've been told. Things are much worse. There is more damage to the core than they're letting on. The consequences could be very long term. And that's when they knew the NRC wasn't being honest. Yep. I am shocked. You So you're telling me that a government organization that has a, a want to make sure that people really like nuclear power would yeah, potentially so that they can, hide how bad something is? Yeah, so that they have a reason to exist. Yes. All right, day three, March 30th. NRC admits that levels of radiation are high in the facility and there are radioactive gases being emitted, but that the amount of radiation in the surrounding area was less than a dental x-ray. Yeah. That's why they decided not to evacuate the area. Of course. It was the NRC's call whether or not to evacuate, essentially. They're in control. Yeah, and and they're, it's their call despite the fact that for them, it would be a very bad thing if they ever had to do a call. And so they're obviously going to do everything in their power to not have to ever do that smart yeah 
In helicopters, levels about 1,200 millirem per hour were detected in the gases being released above the stack, and 400 is a lethal dose. Mm. I did the math. So it's right. So you say you're not scientific, but you is the science lady. There is footage showing the meter going up to the max reading. So it's like, if it's going to the max, it's more than that. Mm -hmm. So that that was the big Chernobyl thing. They're like, we we can't can't even even tell how bad it is right now. So it's like, commend those people who are in the helicopter or exposing themselves to get the truth. Met Ed disagreed that the reactor was out of control. In Washington, they kept discussing the need to evacuate. It's a really drastic decision, and a lot goes into that. You have to think about, you know, families, businesses, hospitals, elderly, life support. There's a lot of things that go into a mass evacuation. Residents remember police cars and fire trucks going up and down the roads, giving conflicting information from their bullhorns. They were saying things like, close the doors and windows. But if you live in a brick house, then leave the windows open. And they were saying there might be an evacuation. Then there wasn't going to be an evacuation. So the residents are really confused. Then the sirens go off Mm. and they don't stop. Governor Thornburg, Dick, asked the NRC again if they need to evacuate. Within the NRC, NRC, there was a disagreement. They had never dealt with a situation like this before. And some said they should get the people out and some said no. So I, the next section is called evacuation, question mark, question mark, question mark, because <laughs> um, it's really confusing. An announcement was made. The chairman of the NRC says any people who are particularly susceptible to the effects of any radiation. That Everyone. Is, <laughs> I know, right? Sus- sus- Unless you're Wolverine or you've got some sort of like lead shielding in your skin. I don't I don't think there's people that aren't affected by it particularly i think well if you're old in it and you can't take very much probably they they said specifically pregnant women and preschool age children because they're still you know you're growing a baby you're a young child you still have a lot of development and you can fuck Mm. that up real bad so any pregnant women and preschool age children to leave the area within a five mile radius of three mile island only then if your parents aren't pregnant you you just gotta run away by yourself little kid (laughs) this was termed as an excess of caution. Mm. But people were leaving regardless, of course. Businesses were closing. Kids were stranded in school until they could be bused home. Shelters were open to those within a 10-mile radius, and they were urged to stay indoors and await further instruction. So did this mean that people should evacuate even though there wasn't officially evacuation? You I know, mean, They're like, what do we do? Should if we- I could, I would. Does this mean they're saying... You should go, but we're not officially saying you should go. The governor tells everyone there wasn't an evacuation, but there could be one in the future. People panicked and the roads were bricked with traffic. That's an alarming statement. It's just, you're just undercutting what you're really trying to say. It's yeah. like, um, you it know, doesn't wink, sound too wink. bright. Which is probably why he's a governor. <laughs> um, a curfew was put in place to prevent looting. And as usual, there were people who didn't have an option to leave. Like us for a hurricane, you know, we live, luckily we live in the part of Florida where we rarely get hit. We live in West central, like literally central. So it's, it's rare that we get a direct hit luckily. Um, But if we did have a direct hit, like where would we go? Yeah, You know, Um, and with animals, um, the closest family that either of us have outside Tampa is 700 miles away in, in Virginia. My family is the closest. 
um, and we have pets and we don't have an excess of money and we have jobs, you know, jobs here won't even close for like a category one. Yeah. You know, and if you decide not decide not to come to work, you have to use PTO. Um, you know, they don't just give you the day. Uh, you know, it's just we don't do workers rights in America. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous that they make you come to work like even in a category one. There was a media and community debate about an evacuation, according to the official history of the Department of Energy's role during the accident, as quoted on the World Nuclear Association's website, was not a planned evacuation, but a weekend exodus based not on what was actually happening at Three Mile Island, but on what government officials and the media imagined might happen. Mm. On Friday, confused communications creates the politics of fear. It was announced that radiation in the dome was now 30,000 rems an hour, which is 75 times the lethal dose for a human, and 3,000 times the level for a normally functioning nuclear reactor. And the plume was heading north at the time. Okay. Hey, I I was living north um, four years after this. So I, I, I lucked out. Yeah, possibly. Mm, yeah, unless it, like one of my moms stayed in there for years because that's what radiation can do. And I am this way because of this radiation. What do you mean by this way? I uh, am this uh, way? Oh, the way you are as a yeah. person? <laughs> <laughs> so as usual, the news was all over the place and leaks had, they were saying leaks had been stopped. Leaks were continuing. Radiation levels are okay or too high. The documentaries stated that the management of information was truly a crisis within the crisis, as per usual, with rumors and conflicting information. And there had to they had to consolidate down to one credible, trustworthy source like hope. That's what you hopefully want to do. I trust Herbine. Uh, Governor Thornburg called the president for him to send one Mm. person who would be the ground who would be on the ground and speaking to the press. Hello, it is me, Henry Kissinger. I'm here to give you the unbridled truth. (laughs) I am here. We must bomb the nuclear facility. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised anyway. President Carter himself was a nuclear engineer in the Navy, which I didn't know. He... You didn't know that about me? Jimmy Carter and my stagflation? I didn't know he was a nuclear engineer smart person so in the 1950s he led 22 men into the core of a reactor that had a meltdown in canada to dismantle it and carter dispatched the director of the office of nuclear reactor regulation at the nrc yeah that's too long Uh, harold denton he was to monitor the situation and keep the public informed and provide feedback to the president so it was like, wasn't the NRC the ones who were not properly informing to begin hey, with? you, guy who's part of the organization that's doing such a terrible job. Why don't you go on out there? Yeah, hey, you go be my eyes and my ears. Denton confirmed that there was a hydrogen gas bubble inside the reactor that had formed at the top and could cause an explosion if not taken care of. This is this is what happened at Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the explosion blew the roof off the reactor, and that's what caused all the radiation to escape into the environment. It was the hydrogen bubble. So if oxygen and a source of ignition were introduced, it would explode for sure. 
Hydrogen is highly explosive. As we know from the Hindenburg. Isn't that what it was? Hindenburg? Yeah. The big ship that <laughs> blew up as everybody were watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was still reported as a remote possibility. Of course. Saturday, March 31st. At this point, there were 1,000 nuclear scientists and technicians on site to try and save the reactor and try to determine the size of the hydrogen bubble. This would determine the future of nuclear energy. There was no way to get rid of the bubble without some risk of a core meltdown. There were formulas, calculations, analyses, and the whole time, oxygen is probably getting in there. Mm -mm. There were estimates that if the reactor exploded, it... There would be 45,000 killed and 250,000 injured. Eh. It's only Pennsylvania, though. Yeah, like... <laughs> I can just go, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. So, uh, like, I always wondered about how, how people, like, actually survived nuclear bombs. Like, the people in Hiroshima that didn't die. Like, you know, How? I was um, like, how did the any- layers of clothing you had? If you had a couple layers of clothing, I know that was a big way because it just caught enough of like the initial thing. Otherwise, it just hits your skin and then just like peeling. I was off. like, no, you just disappear. Like, yeah, they if had you're close sh- enough, I think you do. Yeah, but they like had for- shadows on the walls where people were just flashed and like they just disintegrated. And I, I mean, that's so horrible. Uh, and I was just like, how did I remember reading books when I was a kid? And I was like, how did anybody survive? Distance and the luck of having certain factors that just kept it to not your entire body. I don't want to make a joke, but you know, no, it's, it's go a horrible go thing in, to think I was going to say go into a refrigerator, but I, oh, I don't. I mean, that worked for him. Pretend in the movie. I didn't make that joke, but it, but it did. And he even got he didn't just survive nuclear explosions, nuclearness. He uh, he ex- survived being thrown like three miles. <laughs> yeah, realistic. A, yeah, I mean, I actually like that movie. And. I don't love you anymore. I I liked it. It was a fun. It was. Well, you're fun. a Shia LaBeouf head. We all know it. No, uh, mm, sure. <laughs> so they still Come on, mutt. they still didn't issue an evacuation. Like they people issue evacuations for like category two or three hurricanes for flooding. So like arguably not as dangerous as a nuclear explosion. So. Potential yeah, nuclear explosion. There's money to be lost. They don't want to lose money in the future on nuclear energy. That night, an AP bulletin ran across the bottom of all TV screens. Quote, hydrogen bubble in reactor now showing signs of becoming potentially explosive. End quote. And chairman of the NRC says it might be prudent to evacuate people from the area. <laughs> Even the reporters are desperately a- asking if they should leave. Even the gover- the governor didn't have the answers. He asked the president for a federal recommendation if they should evacuate those inside uh, a large radius. And the foremost question in the upper echelons was the impact this would make on the nuclear industry. Of course, because that's all that matters. The president decided that night that he would go to the reactor himself. I will figure out how to take out this hydrogen bubble. <laughs> Uh, Monday, April 1st, day five, President Carter arrived on day five to reassure the public to try and alleviate panic, to assure them that everything is being done to fix the problem. He basically like swooped in and out the same day. He was (laughs) like, I'm here and I'm gone. Not really much to report. Denton announced the situation is stabilized and he doesn't see any danger that day. 
They found that the bubble didn't pose a serious threat. It was generally believed that the crisis was over. On day 7, April 3rd, government scientists are measuring the radiation that was leaking from the plant. They still had to get the hydrogen out of the reactor. They decided to vent off the noble gases. Mm. No, and what are noble gases? Because I asked myself that. What are they? Um, helium is the main one here. And noble gases have low chemical reactivity. The inertness makes them useful where reactions are not wanted. Mm-hmm. They don't go kablooey. <clears throat> and to vent the noble gases would lower the pressure. But every time they opened the vent valve, there was a huge uncontrollable release of radiation. But they had to open the vent. So they tried to determine how much radiation was being released continuously into the environment. They were still saying the level wasn't significant. <laughs> that level that levels weren't dangerous to normally healthy people and weren't at any time. So how can you be releasing 70 time, 75 times the lethal dose of radiation and then say everything's fine? It's simple. You're a massive liar. Yeah. It's going into the air and just immediately dissipating. It's getting sucked up by all the plants and water and the ground and the puppies and the kittens and none of it's going into people. It's not dangerous to humans. We've trained our radiation to avoid humanity. (laughs) So the industry, capital I industry, really wanted to exonerate itself right after the accident. Technically, the accident's still going on. So it's not known how much radiation was released. There are no numbers. We simply don't know. The estimates don't take into consideration different variables. No one knows for sure. No one even knew how much damage had been done to the reactor. However, in the area after the fact, traces of radioactive iodine was showing up in cow's milk. Hershey was testing their chocolate for radiation and not using new milk, and areas where wastewater from the plant was dumped also came up with radioactive iodine. Mm. People noticed lots of dead fish in the riverbanks, and 10 days later, schools were reopened and pregnant women were allowed to return. <laughs> the government's, the governor's orders were lifted of saying you need to get out. Mm. But people were walking around, they're like, why is there tons of dead fish everywhere? And, you know, they're saying everything's safe, but doesn't look safe. They keep saying everything's safe, but nothing's safe. Some symptoms brought up by the people interviewed at the time and also for the documentary, they reported metallic taste in the mouth, eye irritation, diarrhea, sore throats. A boy was vomiting an unbelievable green-colored mucus, Mm. um, projectile vomiting. Ooh, ecto-cooler. A teenage girl who had been outside riding her bike for three days during the crisis broke out with lesions all over her body. So she was just outside riding around like, hey, what's going on? (laughs) And then paid for it. There were protests forming to shut down the plant. People were suddenly more aware of the dangers, educating themselves and listening to the people on the fringes who had been protesting all along. Like, oh, maybe. The people they call the crazies until it comes out that, oh, you had a point. Yeah, you weren't that crazy. The NRC did show up at the city council and community meetings in the area. Of course they did. They explained the radiation the children were exposed to were the same as smoking a cigarette or drinking a glass of wine. (laughs) It's like they had a cup of coffee. Yeah, like a a glass of wine has the same amount of carcinogen as a cigarette, I guess. People noticed that the same questions were answered differently at different times. One woman asked, are they lying to us or do they not know what they're doing? 
Um, that same woman recalls how she hated the Vietnam protesters when she was in high school in 1965, and she said she hated them for questioning the government. <laughs> then she understood once this happened. Don't she, question the government. Yeah, and she ended up going from housewife to protester herself. Yeah. So Protester wife. She's like, how dare these people protest the war? Doesn't The government knows what's, what they're doing. You don't trust Tricky Dick Nixon? <laughs> he got Henry Kissinger there. Why, thank you, ladies. Makes me feel like a, a bountiful harvest has been unleashed in my heart to have your support. <laughs> the accident reportedly had, had 100,000 people fleeing in the first days and 45,000 people leaving their homes and cost... $18.2 million, which is $73.3 million today, in expenses and lost wages. Oh, that's like a week of work for Bill Gates. <laughs> and so, October 1979, the President's Commission on Three Mile Island. They had to have an official report, of course. The final report of the accident was delivered to the President's Commission on Three Mile Island 16 months later, or six months later, sorry. Mm. All people, all key people involved were there at the meeting. The men who first responded had to answer to what they did that made the accident worse. So it's funny to put the op the operators on trial to answer for the entire accident. Mm -hmm. like, like it was all their fault that it escalated because nuclear power is safe to begin with. Like, what did you do that made it worse? Well, like this um, was entirely your fault, not the company. Certainly not nuclear yeah. power. Yeah, maybe not being able to read the instruments because they weren't working. But you know, it's their fault. Uh, Why didn't you maintain them and build them better? Yeah, and the operators they had the best intentions. They were they were doing what they thought was right, um, but it, but it did make the situation worse. But they were put into a situation they really had no training for and had to make huge decisions really quickly. So, that I mean, is exactly, they did the best they could. And that's what happened in Chernobyl, where they just didn't know this catastrophic failure could happen the way it did. Yeah. It's almost like you need to have more monitoring and more... Oh, you need to have more maintenance yeah. and everything. It's just they always will I try and cheap out where they can. I don't... Yeah, exactly. I don't think the, the technology in 1979 was good enough to have nuclear power plants. They just didn't have the monitoring and everything that they needed monitoring. to have. Monitoring. Monitoring. Denton says that Six things went wrong, and four and a half were human error. Mm -hmm. The remaining two was an equipment What's malfunction. I know, right? Was an equipment malfunction and maybe a design error. I guess that's <laughs> maybe. I guess that's the half. The, point. The, 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 the design error would be the thing that probably caused everything else, but we'll just gloss over yeah, that. Yeah, and it was a half a point. Okay. Like, do you think the equipment malfunction was the main problem? Like, nothing else would have would have happened and the human error wouldn't have happened without the equipment malfunction and also the design error. So, um, way more than half a point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe more weight should be if given to those. If it's a 10 point scale, those get like eight and a half to nine of them. Yeah. But no, it's one and a half out of six things. The malfunction in hmm. the, in the, in the, um, in the blame pie. Yes. But guess what came to light? This was news to the chairman of the commission. There had been repeated problems with safety valves from the reactor's manufacturer before the accident. <sighs> this should have been an indicator that an accident could occur. But let's blame it on the operators. Yeah. Hey, we knew this. We knew these release pressure valve thingies. They weren't always working great, but still this guy messed it up. Yeah. Don't worry about us. Yeah, it's him. Kill him. 
It came to light that an NRC inspector had been called to another power plant in Ohio earlier that year. He was sent because the plant felt there was a possibility of an incident with the valves. Sounds familiar. And they came close to an accident. They sent a report to the NRC headquarters asking them to look into it urgently. But two months later, they were told they didn't need to worry. And they didn't take the concern seriously. This was literally days before the Three Mile Island incident when they got the report back. Don't Mm. worry about the valves. Mm -hmm. The president concluded the commission by saying there were serious shortcomings found, but that the United States couldn't turn its back on nuclear power. Of course. Where do people come into the equation? You know, like... There's people a, can die so we can keep making money. There's literal people. Their lives are at stake. You know, like they don't people want to live. People are expendable if it comes to saving a company. Yeah, they don't want to live at the base of a nuclear power plant. And they don't want it in their community. Uh, but they're forced to live with it because, you know, the president says so and the commission says so. You will get used to your three-eyed mutant fish and 14-fingered yeah. children. Yeah, the government tells them that they must live with it. But the problem's still there. It's like... Maybe some of them are really big comic book fans and they think they might turn into the X-Men. Well, that would be cool. We, I, I imagine actual mutants in real life would never be just one cool power. It yeah, would always would be, be something able, terrible. Yeah, you wouldn't just have one cool thing like wings. No, I just heal. Yeah. I heal. My power is wings. Hmm. <laughs> oh, my mind is super strong I remember and I can that. move things with it. I remember that character that was like the government guy's son. And he was like, mm-hmm. don't let anybody know you have wings. And then in the main movie, he soared. Mm-hmm. He soared with his wings. It was it was a um, an allegory for being gay. And eventually he finally got to come out with his wings. Yeah. Next section, 1980 to 1983. So we have our time frame for mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Utility companies across the U.S. canceled plans to build 51 new nuclear plants. They are blamed for not being in touch with our needs for tomorrow. (gasps) To reduce our need for foreign oil. Don't Mm. get me started on that. Because like, (laughs) mm, we, Uh, mm, like, we have more oil than any nation. We have no reason to rely on foreign oil. We just don't need to. If they wanted to relieve our $5 a gallon gas prices, they could release our own fucking oil. But they don't do that. Because, you know, Middle East, it's like we don't need foreign oil. We don't need it. Okay. And also they needed to reduce the energy gap. Mm. And I was like, what is the energy gap? We have an energy gap. (laughs) But all I could, I mean, I looked it up. All I could really find was it's the difference between the amount of energy required and how much you can produce. But Ah. I didn't realize that there was that, like the gap was that drastic. Well, that's why Texas went on their own. And then it constantly fails all the time. And then Ted Cruz is like, and look at this. The president can't even keep the power running in Texas. And it's like, well, you guys are on your own grid. You're not on the national one. He's not bright. It's just ridiculous. The cleanup begins with over 1,000 government employees on the scene. Radiation levels are still 100 times the lethal dose inside the containment area. So it must just be in that really tiny area, though. I mean, they, I know, they, only- like you said, they trained it to be contained. Mm-hmm. Uh, They would take it out for walks and they would have the boundary of the area. And every time it tries to go past that, they They would would do their clicker and they would say no. No. (laughs) So the whole the cost for the whole shebang is estimated at one billion dollars. Three Mile Island cost seven hundred 
million dollars to be built. Hmm. And Unit 2 had been in operation for only 90 days before this <laughs> happened. Wow. It was felt that the nuclear industry was really based on what happens next at Three Mile Island. They needed to hurry because the longer they took to clean up, the more chance there was of something else going wrong at the plant. I guess because they had it, let it sit there not running or something, and you know they didn't know what could happen. There was questions of where the money was going to come from. Where? The cleanup was outsourced to Bechtel, which in this case specialized in nuclear, mm. just nuclear, mm -hmm. from day one of nuclear stuff. Mm. So cleanup, decommissioning, contracting, construction, everything nuclear stuff. So Bechtel is an, an engineering, procurement, construction, and project management company. Like they built the Hoover Dam. They built BART. They restored the oil fields in Kuwait. They build the Boston Central Artery. Ah, oh so boy. So gigantic. The companies. Boston Central <laughs> Artery was a massive mess up. I'm like, tell me about it. Tell Real me bad. how it went wrong. Yeah, I, I knew you would be like, whoa. The second I hear the Boston Central Artery, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the thing that was always going horribly my entire life growing up. Yeah. And in the future, they will build the Chernobyl Shelter Stabilization and Confinement. Mm, and they did save a lot of puppies. Yeah. The puppies of Chernobyl. Thank you, Bechtel. Aw. Let's not talk about the puppies. They are the largest privately owned construction enterprise in the world, a.k.a. politically connected. Yeah. I've never heard of Have you heard of them? You don't hear of the biggest ones. No, that's what I'm saying. Because they don't want you to hear of them. Yeah, I'm like, you, you don't hear. I think I've heard the name. I didn't know most of that, though. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Steve Bechtel himself was there when Reagan well, was schmoozing to become the presidential candidate. So this is, you know, this is like the Illuminati. That people are talking about like if you want to put it into realistic terms it's stuff like this the Illuma like Bechtel Steve Bechtel was quoted as being a quote get it done no matter what person and by extension the company get it done no matter what this means get from A to B as soon as possible without considering or addressing all the issues along the way this means taking all the shortcuts of course you don't get to be the largest company in the world with not taking shortcuts <laughs> So the cleanup process included vent the containment, clean up nine feet of radioactive water in the basement, and cleaning up contaminated stuff, including the melted fuel core inside the reactor. Of course, they said there was no cause for concern. <laughs> like, are are you serious? <laughs> I wonder how like I wonder how people can go in front of a, a press conference and say that they they think and they think people will believe them. They are sociopaths and yeah. they don't care. They're like, don't believe me. Mm -hmm. I'll just talk. It's not even talk. care if they believe me. It's just they. I'm just gonna say this, and I don't give yeah. a shit about consequences. Like most politicians. Yeah, you you've got to be a bit of a psycho or a sociopath to just be able to turn that part of your brain off. That is the the empathy or the I give a shit what other people think about me button. Yeah, I hate people that idolize CEOs and stuff like. Um, What's his face? Tesla guy. Uh -oh. Elon Musk. Yeah, all of a sudden the name escapes me. It's like, he's not a great person. Anybody that gets to that level of power, they're not a good person. And he's also really, like, really, really lucked into most of yeah, it. Like you, yeah, like you, you might love your family. You might be a good family guy. And like, you know, who doesn't mm -hmm, love their family? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. 
But, you know, as a business person and as your your ethics, you have to be a psychopath. Yeah, because, I mean, the American economy is built, is built on shareholders, essentially. If you're a public company, it's not about being a good person. It's not about doing anything to it's help about anyone. It's making them happy. You have to constantly make money for your shareholders or it's illegal. Yeah. The legal system is for our economy. You must always do everything to help your shareholders either maintain or make more money. Yeah. That's it. That's your only priority. Yeah. We just, we live under a corporatocracy. Mm-hmm. And it's we, one that's entirely focused on completely unsustainable growth. Yeah. I mean, that the growth has to come on the backs of someone, and that's us. <laughs> I mean, and that, that why are they doing it with the oil prices right now for gas is because making tons of money. They can make a lot of money, and that's what they're supposed to be doing for their shareholders. It's I mean, growth. technically, that'd be great. My grandfather owns a lot of um, <laughs> stock in ExxonMobil, so maybe that'll be good for me in the future. <laughs> All right, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And now you're canceled. <laughs> and yeah, I know. Please don't take that seriously. It's not like I'm going to get anything. Um, if you know my grandfather. <laughs> yes. All right. And Bechtel and the NRC dismissed the community completely as having non-meaningful arguments, believing scare tactics and scare news. They were thinking that the company was not going to do the most thorough job possible. Since when does a corporation do everything thoroughly and not cut corners? Yeah. People did evacuate when they vented the containment, um, which is called Krypton gas. Like that sounds like a comic book. I didn't realize Krypton was an actual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the noble gases, yeah. Krypton. It seems like it wouldn't be. It seems like it would be like Krypton. Well, because we were used to the Krypton exploding being the storyline for Superman. So. Yeah, but it doesn't explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so a little bit more on the filtration. They build a filtration filtration train to vent the gas and they would pump it out. And they literally put duct tape over it. Filtration. <laughs> like. I mean, it does say duct tape, but I don't think they mean nu- nuclear they, krypton gas. It was lined with lead. I promise. Yeah, it was me. taped with lead. The adhesive lead. Um, like, it won't stop. Duct tape won't stop radioactivity. No. <laughs> they had There's make, very few things that do. But, I mean, duct tape can handle a lot of stuff, but not radioactivity. Maybe they had, like, three layers of it. You ever think of that? Hmm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. All the time. They had to make a shield to protect everyone working near the reactor as well. Bechtel was asking people to volunteer to go into the reactor building. Um, they gave them the hero good for her humanity, humanity spiel. Uh, like at Chernobyl, they were extremely limited in the amount of time they could spend inside. Um, at least they didn't ask them to volunteer to stay in there longer. We will give your widow a lovely Salisbury steak dinner in your honor. Yeah. And uh, separately, I, I looked into a little bit about MetEd because it, it's kind of got confusing because all of a sudden they started referring to a different company. And I was like, wait, what happened? I need to know what happened here. Um, in 1980, MetEd sues Babcock and Wilcox. They were the builders and designers of the reactor. They sued them for $500 million as the plant's designer. They also filed an unsuccessful $4 billion lawsuit against the NRC. $4 billion. Alleging that the agency's negligence contributed to the Three Mile Island accident. So, LOL. <laughs> it said it was unsuccessful, of course. Yeah. Who's going to sue the NRC and win? Mm-hmm. Uh, MedEd also renames themselves to the General Public Utilities Company to distance <laughs> itself from itself. And because it all of a sudden they started talking about GPU, and I'm like, wait, what happened? Why GPU? So that's what happened. Ah. 
Okay, so 1982, the technicians performed a procedure called a quick look in 1982. They sent radi- radiation monitoring equipment and came and a camera into the core. They rigged a live camera feed into the core. They found that the upper half of the core had gone molten and collapsed on top of itself. So basically it was a lot more worse than they thought. Um, like they had the audio of the technicians doing the camera and you can hear them saying, there's a lot of light <laughs> and uh, the meter goes crazy, crackling like crazy. And then they say, I love to know what that is. <laughs> like they don't have any idea. Um, and then uh, they, I'd love to know what that is when they get to the molten core. And I was like, haha, molten core. <laughs> Cause that's the, that was the first big raid in world of Warcraft. And that's how we met. Yeah. We played world of rock world of Warcraft together and, Starting in like 2006, we've known each other for a long time. I know. And surprise, here we are. <laughs> I mean, really surprise. Like, yes. who would have thought? It was just crazy, especially back then. Because look at us too. Huh? Now people are like, "How did thought? you? How did? Yeah, Not look me. at us. Me neither. I mean, people today are like, "How did you meet? We met online on a dating app." Like back then, that was like looked down on. They're like, "You met online? That's creepy. That's weird." <laughs> so anyway, it wasn't even a dating app. It was a freaking MMO RPG <laughs> video game, which is even worse. Back then. But lots I mean, of couples met in well. I mean, yeah. They probably, you know, I don't know, whatever. I know my family was like, what are you doing when when it all happened? But, I mean, we showed them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your family was too. They're like, all right, you're going to No, they're go. just happy. I don't think so. I think in the back of their minds, they're like, oh, you're going to go live with a girl you met online oh, in Florida? Oh, they're moving to Florida part, yeah. But They're like, that's not going to last, but mm. it's been 11 years. Uh, anyway. shit, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something worse, but I oh. I stopped myself, which was great. <laughs> uh, scientists think that if the pressure valve problem had gone on for 30 more minutes or so during the initial accident, there would have been an explosion. Mm. And not just blowing the roof off, like blowing the entire reactor apart. So like a nuclear bomb. Um, Three Mile Island was determined to literally have been a nuclear meltdown. Ah. So literally. There's no doubt about it. The The nuclear melted down. <laughs> Just because it didn't blow up or explode doesn't mean it didn't happen. And we and they and everyone involved are lucky it it didn't come to that. It was estimated that a cleanup would be done by 1983 and the NRC said 1984. So now it's like GPU, general public utilities and NRC are like, we don't like each other. Yes. But we have to still work with each other. Mm -hmm. They were going so slow that after months they hadn't even processed the high level radiation materials yet. Um, the plant, the plant owner at this time's GPO, as I said, and since the cleanup was so behind schedule and over budget, the owners initiated a milestone program where, um, funds wouldn't be released until milestones were met. That's a great way to clean up a nuclear meltdown. (laughs) Um, so in return, the closer a milestone came up, the more pressure was put on the employees to stay on schedule. So, uh, 1983... The polar crane in Unit 2 reactor building became the primary milestone they would focus on. The polar cranes are primarily used to to remove and used for removal and replacement of the reactor head as well as during the refueling out, outages. So that's what lifts and takes care of all that. The plan was to lift the reactor vessel with the polar crane so they could clean the debris and melted fuel rods in the bottom. But the accident itself and the venting of the steam had exposed the polar crane with radiation. Mm. They That's had, no good. They had to clean it all up, but nothing was reviewed or verified and checked at all after it was done. 
So like they're like, we cleaned it, but we're not going to make sure. Because mm-hmm. we know he didn't really. So something about Bechtel hadn't used the same parts in the crane and had thrown together some parts to fit. Yeah. Like, um, I guess this is an issue because they can't test to make sure it works right as it had before. Um, had before it was cleaned and taken apart. They they knew it worked then, but now they didn't. That's what I thought. And I was right. I was mm. like, oh, I got something. Mm. I was right about something science. <laughs> um, the people in charge with brains not bowing to the BS said they wouldn't lift without a load test. So Bechtel gets mad. Mm. Management gets mm. mad. They're like, excuse, milestone. excuse me? Um, Larry King was hired as a supervisor and he immediately. Oh, <laughs> I know. I was like, unfortunate. Um, he immediately got off to a bad start because he put quality over quantity. Mm. Um so another main key player in this is Rick Parks. So we will remember that name. Um, he's a nuclear plant operator and whistleblower. He knew that the plant itself still had the potential to cause another accident scenario. So he states that organizations rot from the top down and they don't rot from the bottom up. It's yes. not the people at the bottom that are causing the problems. And he also discusses how Bechtel management didn't establish protocols that everyone was expected to follow while working in the facility. And he explains that there is still over 1,000 pounds of highly radioactive nuclear fuel inside the reactor. And he discusses how the polar crane, if it wasn't tested and had gone, it wasn't tested and had gone over properly, could have malfunctioned or dropped the head as they were pulling it up. And that would have fallen back into the core and fractured the reactor vessel, and it would have disturbed the fuel and would eject masses of fuel, radiation, and could have burned through the reactor and reveal the core if it broke. So it's like a lot of shit could have gone wrong. There is a reason we need to make sure this thing works, Bechtel. Yeah. He estimates that if that happened, eastern Pennsylvania would have had to be evacuated and possibly down to... Um, Washington, D.C., and up to New York City and might even have taken out the entire East Coast. Uh, Not a big loss. Yeah, so 2 million people lived within a 50-mile radius of 3-mile island at that time. So a lot of of people. A few. Just a little bit. In March 1983, it was two weeks before the polar crane lift and three years after the cleanup began, and GPU asked the NRC to open back up Unit 1, which had been shut down for the entire three years. It wasn't the one involved in the accident. It was Unit 2. But by a two-to-one referendum, people didn't want the plant to reopen. Yes. People that went to routine protests and town meetings noticed that the government cars would write down the plate numbers of the people (laughs) at the meetings. Mm Mm-hmm. And the local government officials' phones were being tapped, and they knew it. They would be, yeah. they're like, they could hear. They're like, we're being tapped. We know, we know we are. So Rick Parts, a coworker, Ed Gishel, and Larry King asked the management, um, one of which was interviewed during the documentary. I'm surprised one of them wanted to talk. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he did talk, but he was. Not that great about it. His name was Lake <laughs> Barrett. We'll also remember his name. So his name Rick is Parks. Lake, so yeah, Chris. Oh great. my God, I'm like really. So Rick Parks, whistleblower, important name. Lake Barrett, the NRC agent on site and the director of the cleanup. And and might I say, very dismissive and angry at what seemed like people not believing in that they were doing a good job. Mm. 
Of course. He's like, I'm going to talk and I'm just going to say it how it is. <laughs> so they asked Bow to me, bitches. Yeah, like he was he seemed like such a douche. So they asked the management to please review everything about the crane lift and they didn't listen. So they were going ahead with the lift. Barrett talks about how he Lake Barrett talks about how he didn't think that their concerns over the crane had any merit and he dismissed them. Like not only dismissed them, but called it quote dramas and soap operas about whose procedures were the right procedures end quote. Like it was a petty argument and not about the safety of 2 million people. I don't like Lake Barrett or general or 25 million people. As we said, like Mm -hmm. no 2 million. Sorry. I said 2 million people, 2 million within a thing, but like if it all ended up breaking and blowing, it would be way more than that. Yeah. It'd be hundred million. Yeah. The potential could have been the entire East coast, but at least 2 million. Uh, later on, he talks about not even knowing what a whistleblower is anymore <laughs> because, quote, it becomes so emotional. He didn't say it like that. I said it like that. It sounds like that in my head. He sounds um, like such a douche. He, yeah, he seems like a real patronizing douche, honestly. Allegedly. Don't sue us. Allegedly patronizing douche. Um, Barrett approved the, claim, the crane lift to go ahead and to defuel the reactor. Um, Larry King, the supervisor decided that they would tell the NRC and Park submitted his concerns in writing. Park, the whistleblower. Mm-hmm. He hadn't whistleblown yet, but mm. he's getting there. He's he's uh, lubing up his whistle with his spit. He's lubing up the whistle. <laughs> After this, it's kind of a little back and forth. Um, Park says they didn't keep his confidentiality and released his name to Bechtel. Um, Park said that the operation was small and people knew he had a problem with it. However, having the NRC working hand-in-hand with the nuclear utility companies doesn't work. They aren't going to oversee property properly. Bechtel wants to meet their milestones and get their money. Yep. Bechtel asked King, again, the supervisor. I know there's kind, of, kind of a lot of names flying around, but um, he asked King to sign off on the lift because, well, Bechtel, the company, asked King to sign off on the lift because everything was fine. The NRC says it's okay. And he refused to sign, so they fired him. Oh, <laughs> of course. All right. The, um, the other guy involved, the co-worker, Gishel, who pointed out the issues with the crane, was ordered to take a psychological evaluation <laughs> and was not allowed back on site until he passed, which he would not ever pass. <laughs> um, as for Parks, after all this, he goes to leave for work one day, and his battery cable was loose. You, you might think it's the man, but it's not. It was just a coincidence. So he goes to his toolbox, and there was a bag of marijuana inside. Mm. And when he gets to the island, he's waved over and searched for the very first time ever, um, which he had already gotten rid of it. He flushed it all down the toilet. Yeah. So by the afternoon, all his authority over the crane was removed by Bechtel management, and he lost all power to stop them. Mm. So they're like, dang, the marijuana didn't work well. <laughs> you know, you're unsatisfactory. All right, you so, won't do what we want. Five days before the NRC commissioners were going to vote to proceed, Billy Gard receives an anonymous call. Uh, Billy works for the Government Accountability Project, which was an organization, the leading organization, that represented nuclear industry whistleblowers. Ooh. She met with him that night because his concerns were so significant. They met at a bar, and Billy told him that she was also a nuclear whistleblower. So the the uh, 
The guy was Parks. The anonymous guy was mm. Parks. Yep. And he showed her his proof of the problem and that the management knew about it and were going to proceed. He showed her the drawings of the crane and explained what was supposed to have been inspected to ensure the crane was still working properly and that it was intact after living in the radioactive conditions for years. So he kind of like took the plans. It wasn't yeah. just drawings. It was the plans. Mm -hmm. um, Billy knew this was so serious that someone should go to jail over it. And they had five days to stop the boat. Like, that's not a lot of time. Um, no. I mean, can also you imagine the, the courage to go against, like, not one, but two powerful enter entities? Yeah. And especially one of them is tied yeah. to the government and yeah. can pretty much do whatever they want, probably. The largest construction company in the world. Um, and a whole-ass government agency? It's like, most people are too scared to even confront their boss. Nevertheless, yeah. two extremely powerful organizations. And there was reason to be concerned. Um, for a quick example, Karen Silkwood, 1974, lab tech in an Oklahoma facility, she voices concerns over worker safety, and she died in a single car car wreck on her way to meet a journalist. Mm. And she had radiation and plutonium in her blood. Ah, okay. So, so... Um, Parks and Billy and everyone meet with the legal director of GAP, which is a government accountability project. Mm -hmm. So he's Tom. His name is Tom Devine, and he worked on an affidavit nonstop for days. They're going to present the affidavit to the NRC, and Tom suggests that Parks needs to go public with the information as well. Yeah. If he did this, he would never work in the industry again. And he really did believe in nuclear power. Like he discussed um, how he believed. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you do it correctly and yeah. you don't try and cheap out all the time, right. it, it could be great. Yeah, you have, but it has very efficient. You can't take but, shortcuts. Yeah. Well, technically efficient. It yeah, costs more to run it efficient, than yeah. to get the power from it. Mm -hmm. So, um, like environmentally and every everything yes. costs more. Than getting the cheap power. If you ignore the bad parts, it's good. Yeah. So Parks discussed all this with his girlfriend, and she did not want him to go through with it, and she just wanted him to quit. She's like, just walk away, because um, she was worried about her own children. Like they they were together, but they each had children and all that, but they didn't live together. But you know, they loved each other and and all that. Um, so when he went home with his sons that night, they decided to break up. She's like, I can't do this. I can't put my family in danger. Um, so he went home with his sons that night and his house had been broken into. No. They were looking for the documentation he had brought with him to the gap meetings. Mm -hmm. um, he called the police, but they were obviously possibly compromised. So you can't mm. really trust them. Not the police um, in America. No. Mm. Good guys. Yeah. Good guys out there deserve all the respect. So um, Tom, the legal director, he called the FBI to the scene. Uh, Parks is going public just added to the whole shenaniganized, <laughs> shenaniganized <laughs> storm of events coming to light that the entire narrative about Three Mile Island from accident to cleanup was a massive cover up by the power plant company Bechtel and the NRC. GPU, Bechtel, and NRC. Mm -hmm. They really felt that what happened at Three Mile Island between the cover-ups and the whistleblowing could kill the nuclear power industry. Yeah. It could. Yes. And it turned out that the FBI, FBI was already looking into the accident. 
Um, he agreed to answer questions, and the FBI agreed that Park should get his sons out of the house. Like, it was really serious. Yep. Um, they're talking about the, the death of an industry here mm. from this one guy and this one accident. So, like I said, his girlfriend broke up with him. Um, and Parks was really emotional when he was talking about this part of the story because he was really close to his girlfriend's daughter, and he was like a father to her. Um, he said it was a difficult breakup, and... The daughter was also interviewed, and she's still upset about it like 40 years later because they were really, really close, um, and they just like never saw each other again. So You could almost say that Tom had become a bit radioactive to those around him. What does that mean? <laughs> he, he was dangerous to be around? He was great? This is Parks. Well, what, what name did I say? Tom. You messed it up. Damn. It it works in theory. Everyone knows who I meant. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so Parks had to face the consequences of a difficult decision and ultimately the right decision when you're talking about the lives of millions of people. And he had to pay for that decision. Um, and the girlfriend was right in her own way as well. You know, she decided it wasn't worth the potential murder of her children. Um, and then yeah. they at this time, they also revealed that um, the daughter and Parks himself have had cancer. Oh, yeah, of course. She was one of the children um, waiting for the bus that morning. Um, they were just exposed to the initial blast of radiation. Yeah. So March 22nd, 1983, the day of the lift, um, Billy Gard delivers the affidavit to the NRC before the vote, like right before. Mm. They're like, we're here with an affidavit. <laughs> um, Tom held a press release as Gap representing Rick Parks. He points out that Parks is charging Bechtel and GPU with reprisals and harassment after he and others revealed massive quality assurance violations in significant safety concerns. And Parks states that he is an advocate for nuclear power, but not the type of management system the facility was under. Yeah. The GPU had a counter conference with the president <laughs> of GPU, GPU Nuclear, Robert Arnold, a different guy, <laughs> saying... Um, He's fully confident that all activities at Three Mile Island 2, Unit 2, have been carried out with safety as a number one concern. I, you know what? I'm sold. Yeah, me too. Parks is full of shit. At least, at least the NRC committee voted to not use the crane. It was announced there would be another congressional investigation. Everything involving the cleanup was suspended, and it was blamed on Rick Park's bullshit allegations. That son of a bitch. He had to move somewhere where people didn't know where he was because of the uh, the halt, and that caused a lot of people to be laid off. So, better laid off than dead. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I mean, for all for all the workers. I mean, a good paycheck's a good paycheck. It is better <laughs> all right so it didn't happen so april Yay. 1983 four years later after the accident mm -hmm. not after the crane um early on in investigations it was agreed this was the worst commercial accident in the history of the united states but no one died mm. i love how people always try to say oh the three mile island wasn't really a thing yeah it's like yeah it was it was really a thing all right so here's the real story about the misconduct <gasps> Uh, GPU were indicted for all these things oh boy. coming up. Falsified safety reports to keep the reactors operating. Um, Metropolitan Edison was charged with criminal misconduct 
critical leak rate data was falsified and documents were destroyed, it turns out. Management concealed from government regulators that there were leaks in the water cooling system in the reactor. Before the plant even opened in 1978, there were malfunctioning safety systems. A valve was damaged from leaks. That was the valve that was stuck open during the meltdown. Oh, boy. So it had already been a problem. Um, When Barrett, our friend Lake Barrett, Mm -hmm. was asked about the falsified leak rate data, he says, quote, I didn't pay attention to that. (laughs) I'm like, okay, dude. I was generally unaware of this. Don't, I'm legally not culpable because I say so. And he didn't think it was a critical aspect of the cause of the accident and that it wasn't significant. Like he said these things. (laughs) It was clear the NRC couldn't ensure an acceptable level of safety for the nation's nuclear power. They, because they weren't really regulating anything. They were letting the plants and the companies get away with violations of safety regulations. Like, were they not paying enough attention? I mean, because they had been made aware they of things. Just didn't were care. they letting things go and not yes. really regulating? Yes. Were they not doing their jobs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the worst violation was that the company lied about what was happening the first day of the accident regarding <laughs> the, lo- the loud bangs and the hydrogen explosion. Um, Barrett, as the NRC rep- representative, says it was not an explosion. It this was is- not. This was the... The uh, alleged explosion. Yeah. Um, It was just a whoosh of air. Mm. I mean, explosions don't have to be fire and, um, you know, fire and smoke and And burning. It was was healthy air. It actually helped the people it hit. Yeah. Um, However, there is video and photographic proof that there was an explosion. Like, things were burned and melted in, like, in the area right outside the reactor building and... Um, you know, it, like I said, it wasn't a traditional fire and smoke explosion, but it was an explosion that caused a lot of damage. The narrative that was evolving on the first day was that they didn't know what was going on. And that was completely false. Of course, as we expected, they knew about the hydrogen burn slash explosion testimony and investigation proved that they knew how close they were to a nuclear catastrophe. However, the company's lawyer did get a number of employees to change their story (laughs) to the hydrogen burn not being significant on day one. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what happened at Chernobyl. But this is before Chernobyl, so. Yeah. Um, We, we, and then we'll say, ah, those Russian government, you can't trust their companies or anything. And and it almost happened here. Same here. It was 30 minutes away from happening here. Yeah. People to this day are still insisting they didn't know and that the information wasn't being processed in a way they could understand in the control room. So it was, it was just downplayed from day one, as, as we know. Yep. But it was even worse than what we expected. Early on, um, testification, I wrote that, I think that's a real word, showed that they didn't know what the hydrogen explosion meant, that the core was melting and releasing significant amounts of radiation, lethal amounts, and no one told the public, and no one called for an o- official evacuation. So um, we're not dealing with something that has no consequences, like, hello, um, like nuclear freaking power. <laughs> <laughs> you're playing with fire on a massive scale and you're ignoring the safety of a freaking potential nuclear bomb. Well, you got to keep your profits up as high as you can. Like maybe even worse than a new, nu- well, yes, worse than a nuclear bomb. Like, <sighs> the, like repercussions would last so the indefinitely. the East Coast is uninhabitable for a thousand years, so what? Eh, or longer. We won't even be around that long. Yeah. Well, Not we'll be dead deal. by then anyway. Mm-hmm. 
thanks to the climate change that the other companies are all causing. So guess what? When they finally got to the polar crane lift, it failed when it was Hmm. attached to the reactor vessel head. Yes. And that was after it underwent lots of repairs after Parks' whistleblowing. So no, who knows what would have happened? Yeah. I mean, we know what would have happened when they were going to try this the previous year. Mm-hmm. It, it would have happened. It failed. After the president of GPU, after that, the president of GPU Nuclear resigned. The head NRC on-site rep we all love, Barrett, he also resigned. But according to him, he was reassigned because he asked to be. <laughs> I never lose. Yeah, he was like, I didn't, he's like, no, I didn't resign. I asked to be moved. Why did you ask to be moved, dude? He said it was for his kid going to uh, college and he needed to be there. But I'm like. I I'm going to, he, he does attached parenting. He, his kid was in class with him in a, in a, in a um, yeah. God damn it. What are those things? A swaddle. Yeah. Baby carrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when they remove the head. And now had access to the reactor core. They found that 45% of the core, which is 62 tons, had melted. And 19 tons ended up mostly in the reactor pressure vessel. But the vessel wasn't seriously damaged. It wasn't, Mm. it was bad, but it, you know. Yeah. It wasn't damaged as much as they probably thought. Feared. But it was still bad. And that might not have been bad. But but everything else was really bad. Everything else was really bad. All right. Six years later, May 1985, they try again to restart Reactor 1, saying it was perfectly safe and undamaged and also repaired. They were determined that the the death of the nuclear industry wasn't going to be because of the meltdown. And they showed that they had made $100 million in improvements. Mm. Like, improvements? Why weren't weren't those infected from day one? Uh, That's a lot of improvements. Yes. That's a lot of, oh, by the way, these are all the things we probably knew about what we're trying to cheap out on. Yeah. The Nuclear Navy Admiral Rickover, Nuclear Navy Admiral Rickover, mm. um, came to the site and gave his approval to restart the plant. <laughs> and it, and he endorsed this. Why did he endorse this? Um, because we know those people don't do anything for free. Yeah. He received $380,000 from GPU for his educational foundation. <laughs> that came to light. Uh, his own son went on record stating that his father was clinically senile when he made the endorsement. Aww. He wanted to protect his father's reputation yeah. about that because it came to light. Um, so he's like, my dad's not doing so great. But he was really old. Yeah. So there was a vote to restart and they voted yes. Only a corporation in America would be allowed to get away with more than a criminal. Of course. Corporations are allowed to be criminals, but actual people are not. And corporations are the only actual people. Yeah, they were convicted of lying and falsifying records. The company is a criminal company, and they were still allowed to run a goddamn nuclear plant. The same one that they broke before. Mm. They're still allowed. Yeah, the same one they had really cheaped out on when making. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up right now. Um, so as I mentioned already, we still don't know for sure how much radiation was released during the meltdown. The data wasn't analyzed and the NRC didn't have an organized plan for how to deal with an accident. Shocking. There wasn't high level monitoring equipment and they had those little crackly monitors, but like they only go up to a certain limit. Yeah. So that was the, the, the that was the Chernobyl thing. Yeah, they, it's they couldn't not, tell. It's not a correct number. Yeah. They just did not know. So all we have is scientific guesses, but we know it was bad. Um, there was a so-called Department of Health study that was set up for people within a five-mile radius, and that kind of all fell apart. Um, 
people were just not contacted after a while. And when they asked about it, they were told that they weren't within the radius. <laughs> um, but they were. So um, I found some promising information from the World Nuclear Association. Oh. Another click. <laughs> The Three Mile Island accident caused concerns about the possibility of radiation-induced health effects, principally cancer, in the area surrounding the plant. Because of those concerns, the Pennsylvania Department of Health for 18 years maintained a registry of more than 30,000 people who lived within five miles of Three Mile Island at the time of the accident. The state's registry was discontinued in mid-1997 without any evidence of unusual health trends in the area. Ah. From the World Nuclear Association yep. itself. As trustworthy as you can get. Yeah. So uh, no evidence, but probably because they weren't actually monitoring any trends. Yeah. They probably talked to the people who they singled out the people who weren't having issues is probably what they did. Because the people that were the problem people, like the protesters and stuff, they were not contacting. Because one of the, the ladies that was interviewed about this, who was one of the protesters, said they stopped calling. And I asked why, and they said I didn't live within the radius, but she literally lived, like, down the street from the plant. Yeah. Well, the yeah. radius was inside the plant. Yeah. that w It was very contained. It was trained. Yeah. We, we determined that. Mm -hmm. So it's like this whole incident just gave them an excuse to say that the worst situation that could have happened did happen, and there was no long-term radiation side effects. And this Everyone was who was going to kill is already dead. It was determined within years of the accident, mere years. And that's not enough time to determine that everyone's safe. Yeah. So radiation exposure can take decades to show any effects, as we know. And it can alter your DNA and be passed down to your children. Like, that's what happened to Hopper in Stranger Things. <gasps> yeah. His DNA caused the brain mm -hmm. cancer. Was that? Oh, spoiler, sorry. Spoilers for season one. <gasps> oh, my goodness. <laughs> there were studies performed um, after the fact and showed... And one showed that the rate of cancer was two to three times higher in the area the radiation would have dispersed based on the direction of the wind um, in the surrounding areas. They went back and did it. So it's always easy to say, but it, but it's cancer. Cancer is everywhere. You know, you can't say for certain. And quite it, often cancer is where big companies like this leave it. <laughs> That's where it is. <laughs> guess what? That, that, um, the friggin' the wind goes right up to Massachusetts where I was born. Yep. Goes right up that direction, the jet stream. Yeah, there was I I I don't really want to go on a tangent, but I read about the Russian um, the Chernobyl incident. The Russians tried to alter some sort of the atmosphere to get the the cloud to not come to them. That was another thing I was going to look into. It was it was hmm. a thing. Um, so like you can't say the cancer comes from radiation exposure itself. It's it's like a fail safe. You can't prove it. Yeah, you can't prove it came from that. They were drinking too much coffee. Yeah, and. Smoking, smoking too much wine. Drinking yinglings. <laughs> There's a yingling manufacturing plant right next door to the hospital that I work at. Oh. I can see it from the parking garage. It's literally one block away. Um, so uh, the second sentence I read about Three Mile Island on the U.S. NRC website itself said, um, this was the most serious accident in U.S. commercial nuclear power plant operating history, although its small radioactive releases had no detectable health effects on plant workers <laughs> or the public. Um, so their governmental stance is that the literal nuclear meltdown did not cause detectable health effects. Health effects. And it's incredible just how safe nuclear meltdowns are. Yeah, sure, NRC, sure. 
this is what history has taught us, that radiation exposure does not cause health problems. Yeah, and it just makes you a mutant, and then you end up getting cool claws, or you can fly. Yeah, If so if you, res- if you research the incident at surface level, most of them say that there was minimal, if any, effects from the accident. Um, but if you look at the source, they are all involved in nuclear power in some way, as I read from you, yeah. those two sources that I looked at. Um, so they have they have incentive to make nuclear power seem safe. Um, but we but we don't believe this. <laughs> no, I know that like Netflix and HBO docuseries have a reputation for sensationalizing a little bit. We've you know, we've heard about that. Um, but the three mile accident was way worse than the company's and in, um, involved in NRC want to admit like this time. It's not really sensationalized. So. Yeah. Like it was almost a nuclear apocalypse. I, I never would have existed. Neither of us probably would have if the East Coast was gone. Yeah. Like our parents would have died. Um, Horrible, so, painful radiation burn deaths. Yeah. So like the engineers and whistleblowers and scientists aren't sensationalizing like what they believe could have been as serious as it was. Uh, but I was born in 82, so I would have been born during the cleanup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my mom would have been getting hit with lots of radiation right as I was born, so... Like I said, if I ever, uh, if you ever wondered why I am the way I am, just blame Three Mile Island. Yeah. And I mean, sadly, your mom did die of cancer. Yeah. The type of cancer that runs in your family, but also, you it know, was running in the she family. She wasn't in that the late far away. 70s. She wasn't that far away yeah. from when this happened. Um, I mean, we now know that operators and government officials were really downplaying the disaster. They were committed to reducing the severity of the situation. And they also refused to mandate an official evacuation. Well, they didn't have public interest in mind. They just had, what can we do to save our company and save our industry in mind at all times? I mean, they told us there really was massive amount of radiation gases being released, but then they said that it wasn't even near the level to harm a person. But how can that be? Yeah. Um, Another quick little thing. In June 1996, the Harrisburg U.S. District Court Judge Sylvia Rambo dismissed a class action lawsuit alleging the accident had caused health defects. Um, the only, she says, the only health defect that occurred because of the radiation was stress. I'm glad she's such an incredibly well reasoned and thought out and looked so deep into this nuclear. Scientist. Yeah, but also I wonder what her bank account or financial portfolio <laughs> looked like around that time. After the 1979 accident, there wasn't a single order for a new plant in 10 years. And after that, there was only two plants licensed after that. However, neither of them opened due to safety concerned and are billions in debt. The TMI, Three Mile Island plant, was shut down in 2019, and it was blamed on competition from other forms and sources of energy. Mm. The Good. end. Hooray! Eat shit, Three Mile Island. Corporate conspiracies. It's incredible how often corporate conspiracies are pretty true. Believe in corporations. Corporations love you. Corporations have your best interests in mind. That was... um, That was certainly something. Terrifying. I hope I didn't have too much redundant information, but I really wanted to point out all the, the conflicting as it went yeah. along. Mm-hmm. I know some of it was probably a little redundant. I'm horribly but... biased, but I think you did a good job. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and that is all. Thank you. So I have, we'll list the sources in the notes and 
check out all of our other creative endeavors such as Xbox era. Yeah, we both work on there. Um, I do more. Amanda has an actual paying job to mm. let, let me do it more. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone. That was a, um, what is that? Episode four Yep. of Deceptive Methods. Yep. And the I will try to have the accident. next episode out at the beginning of July. Work. I'll work for it. All right. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.